about to Akizili up top, goes right to the basket with a left hand and finishes off the glass. You're on the case, Akizili. Fletcher off to the far side to Talton, down low to Josh Scott, back out to King for three, hits it. Big three to secure the halftime lead for the Buffaloes and make sure they were. Collier, far side, right-handed dribble. Fletcher, Fletcher puts it down on the floor to Talton on the near side. 10 seconds left on the shot clock, goes down low to Scott. Scott doubled immediately in the post, finds a way out of it, but loses the ball on the shot. Fletcher's right there for the recovery and banks it off the glass for two. Dorsey with the ball for Oregon. Right-handed dribble, drive, inside block by Scott! Josh Scott with a big block on Tyler Dorsey! This is the BSN Buffs podcast for BSN Denver, a branch of BSN.com, the BSN Denver Podcast Network. I am Jake Shapiro, alongside BSN Buffs editor, BSN Broncos editor, featured BSN Buffs and Broncos writer, Ryan Koningsberg. Was that enough of an intro for you, Ryan? I'll take it. Yeah, I like that one. It was good. Thank you. And I got into both games. You were going to say how hard it was for you Sunday. No, what it really came down to was obviously with the promotion, the Broncos comes first. It's, every, no, it's no secret to anyone in Denver. Even Josh Scott said it. Right. The Broncos are always going to be number one. So, you know, I shouldn't have been at the game yesterday, but I just I couldn't stomach it. I couldn't, I couldn't stomach missing a good game at the Coors Event Center, seeing everyone, seeing you, seeing Zisk, seeing – all my friends that I like to see at the games, um, and so I had to fig- I had to I had to figure out a way to make it work, and it was kind of fun trying to uh, live tweet both games at once from the Buff Vision room. I just like walked in there and saw that they had both games on, and I was like, "Can I sit here?" And they were like in the middle of producing the game, and everyone's yelling at each other, and no one answered me. So I was just like, "I'm just gonna go into the corner and make myself small and do this." So it was really fun. Um, it was a challenge for sure. It was a little bit stressful trying to watch the Buffs game, write my Broncos story, uh, do the Buffs post-game content. But in the end, it was pretty awesome. It was probably the right decision you made because of uh, had you missed this Colorado game, I think you would have really regretted it. Not only did Colorado win, which is good for everyone. Everyone likes to have fun at the game. But it was a really entertaining game. Uh, The Buffaloes won 91-87 on Sunday, defeating Oregon. This comes on the heels of their victory over the Oregon State Beavers. But this game, the Oregon game, really exciting back-and-forth basketball. We mentioned it in the postgame. It kind of reminded me of that. Spencer Nidwini, Eskia Booker, last game on the home floor, where it's just a high-scoring battle. Uh, This weekend was a really good weekend for the Buffaloes. And before we do jump into that Oregon game, which was so fun yesterday, I want to jump back to that Oregon State game because things were really important. Uh, It was really important for the Buffaloes to win that game on Wednesday night because they had just come off of that Utah loss at home. The Utah loss now probably looks just about as bad as it has ever, uh, Tad Boyle said, but you disagree with that. We'll get to that in a second. But that Oregon State game really Great effort from the Buffaloes. They defeat a hot-as-heck 
Gary Payton the second in that game behind Josh Scott's fantastic game. Yeah, uh, and you mentioned it. It was just so important for them to come out and have a good showing in that game. Um, and, it, and not only was it the fact that they did do that and they did win it, it was the way they did it. Um, after blowing a couple of games late with, with four minutes left, six minutes left uh, in, SM, in the SMU game, it was almost like a, uh, a blessing from the basketball gods. They said, all right, here, have another chance. Um, do it right this time. And what they did in that game um, was absolutely shut down Oregon State in the last four minutes and then themselves go out and have the, one of the best four, minute, or four to six-minute stretches they've had all season, um, scoring 19 points in the last six minutes. They were efficient on offense. They got layups. They were moving the ball well. And everything that they did down that stretch was the opposite of what had everyone so concerned going into that game. Um, so, you know, obviously instead of falling to one and three, they go to two and two. But it was the way they did it that I think was the most encouraging. Josh Scott and Wesley Gordon both had double doubles in that game. And when the big men are going for the Colorado Buffaloes, both big men, they're pretty much unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, th there's no one in the Pac-12 conference um, and few teams in the country that can kind of match up with those two. And if both of them are having a good game, um, there's not much you can do on defense because you always want to, of course, double down on Josh. But when he's able to get the ball to Wesley or they're able to get the ball to Wesley and he can command some attention, it opens everything up for the offense. You saw it in that game, um, in especially late. They were getting so many layups because there, was just, there wasn't really one guy you could focus on. Gary Payton, the, uh, the second, had 26 points, 15 rebounds, three block, or uh, three steals, and uh, three assists in that game. He really stuffed the, sh uh, the stat sheet. He was really fantastic until about six minutes to go when the Buffaloes decided to put Thomas Akizili on. Yep, I think it was actually four, but clo yeah, close enough. That was a very bold move by Tad Boyle, um, a very... I guess it turned out to be a very smart move. Um, I loved what they did there, basically saying, Thomas, you've been aggressive all year. You've been tough all night. Uh, you're playing strong defense. You're having a good game. Why don't you go out there and try your hand on one of the best players in the Pac-12? Um, and Tommy went out there with a serious um, – it was one – you know, you, they used to talk about back in the day um, when Carmelo Anthony was on the Nuggets, they used to talk about how he would rise to the challenge – um, when they would play LeBron, and he would finally play defense, and everyone was like, why can't he play defense like this every night? It's a little bit different with Thomas, but it was one of those things where players like when a coach gives them the responsibility, um, and Tommy was one of those guys who Tad gave him the, the greatest responsibility, a game we need, four minutes left, this guy's killing us, go out there and show me what you got. Uh, and Thomas absolutely rose to the occasion. I've got a story coming with him tomorrow that's uh, pretty interesting as he talks about Defense was probably his weakest point when he came to Boulder. Um, and I think it's, it's that relationship we've talked about between him and Tad Boyle. He is absolutely 100% bought into every single thing that Tad Boyle has said to him. Uh, and it's why you see him all of a sudden being a great defender. He, he really believes in what Tad Boyle has to say. And so when Tad Boyle told him when he got on campus, son, if you want to see, the, the, you want to see on, uh, minutes on my floor, you're going to have to play defense, and Thomas has become maybe the best defensive stopping guard they have. Tommy carried that over from the Oregon State game to the Oregon game, and another guy that had a really good night in the Oregon State game that carried that effort over into the Oregon game was Dominique Collier. Yeah, uh, people, uh, everyone loves Tommy, and so everyone wants to kind of boost him up. When's he going to be the starter? When's he going to get more minutes? Win this, win that. Um, but what people are kind of ignoring is the fact that Dom is playing great. What was his uh, assist that night? 
He had, do, 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 Dominique Callier had five assists and two turnovers in that game, and I believe all five assists came in the second half. So he had five assists, two turnovers that night, and last night he had six, six and, and So you're yeah. talking about 11, 11 assists and two turnovers in the last game. Um, that's uh, five and a half to one. I mean, that's as good as anyone in the country. That's exactly what Tadboyle wants of him, not to mention Dom hits an end of the shot clock, fade away over a guy's hand three. That was a huge momentum shifter in that game. So, and then he hits a couple threes in the Oregon game that were big too. Right, so don't, give, don't fall too much in love with the what have you done for me lately. Oh, well, Thomas looks great. Let's push, him, let's push out Dom. Dom's playing great uh, too. Just embrace it. And, and then maybe you run a little bit more of that three-guard lineup. And another guard that's been really impressive as, uh, as of late, or, or really just the Oregon game, was Xavier Talton. And Tad Boyle talked about this today in practice, about how XT remains aggressive despite his lulls and despite his cold shooting snaps. And it really paid off for him in the Oregon game. He had some great efforts, whereas in the Utah game, we were kind of like, what is Xavier Talton doing? He's making these rim runs. He's playing wild basketball. Tad Boyle wants him to play that way uh, to an extent, I think. And he refined his game a little bit and played a lot better in the Oregon game. And he hit some shots, and that was the key for Xavier Talton. Right. I think Tad said it best today when he says, um, you've got Tommy and you've got Tori coming off the bench giving you all sorts of energy, whereas Xavier comes in and gives you a calming presence. But the calming presence also goes along with that aggressiveness. And I think Tad Boyle, he, he loves certain players, and I think – Xavier Talton has done enough. I mean, Xavier Talton puts in as much work in the offseason as anyone. There was a time uh, where he was getting up like 1,000 shots a day or even more. I think he might have even told me 2,000 shots a day. Um, so Tad Boyle falls in love with, with certain players based on their work ethic. And so Tad Boyle is going to ride out Xavier Talton until he doesn't really have a choice. And Xavier Talton, like I asked him last night, I said, you really reward, you know, how did it feel to reward Tad for having that kind of faith in you and, and you know he's like it feels great you know Tad always has always believed in me since I was in high school um, so I think Tad is always going to have that faith in Xavier he wants him to be aggressive he wants him to take shots because he can make shots uh, it's it's just for XT right, like you said when those shots aren't going down he needs to find other ways to help the team you alluded to the bench and the bench in the game against Oregon was fantastic. Not only Tory Miller, like you said, Xavier Talton, and Thomas Akizili. And Treshawn Fletcher didn't start that night, and he had some really good contributions coming off the bench as well. Yeah, I mean, they were great. I think they scored 45 points off the bench, which is by far a season high. Um, they had already eclipsed their Pac-12 season high this year at halftime. When you can get a guy like... Treshawn and a guy like XT to put some points up. Um, you're always going to get Josh's 17 and 11 like he had last night. You're um, you're going to get you know your points from George King uh, when Tad doesn't bench him for being terrible at defense. You're going to get you know what you're getting from certain players, and it's when you get the big contributions from other guys that you win when you you score 91 points and you win big games like last night. And so for Trey who was struggling for a little bit. He got his confidence back last night. I, I watched him today in practice. I don't think he missed a shot today in practice. Um, and he was kind of talking smack to the guys like, I'm back. Uh, he's hitting, you know, the little mid-range fadeaway in, in guys' face. He's hitting his threes. So it's always going to be a case of this team of getting that third, that fourth contributor to put some points on the board. And when they do, they're as good as anyone. 
not only was the point production good off of the bench, but the rebounding production off of the bench was good as well in the absence of Wesley Gordon for most of the second half. He only played 17 minutes in the game. He badly sprained his thumb is what I've heard. And uh, the bench made up for the absence of Wesley Gordon to the point where it was almost unnoticeable. Yeah, uh, and that a lot of that credit goes to Tory Miller, who has quietly gone from big body who you kind of throw in there to eat up some minutes, maybe put a, eat up a couple fouls. He's quietly becoming a very formidable big man in the Pac-12 conference. He had two very finesse post moves right. in that game. And uh, he continues to shoot it. It hasn't gone down for him in a couple games, but he, he's willing to shoot, uh, you know, the 18-footer, uh, the 15-footer. And even if it's not going in, that stretches out the defense. So I think Tad Boyle will take that. Right. I, it just it depends on when he's shooting it and where he's shooting yes. it. But, you know, you always want to put things in the defensive head. It's just kind of like a, an offense running a fake reverse earlier in the game just to, just to put that in, in football. Um, for Torrey to come along kind of as quickly as he can, along with Thomas coming along as quickly as he can, it's making this team better as as they go along the season. They keep on getting better as those two keep on getting better along with some other guys. But Torrey, I've been very impressed. Like you said, he had two – he's getting comfortable down there in the post. I mean, when, you, when you're going up against guys like Josh Scott and Wesley Gordon every day, you're not going to face much better defenders down there. So it's almost like, you know – shooting with a medicine ball and then all of a sudden it's nice and light for you the next time around because you go up against Josh and Tory or Josh and Wes and all of a sudden you go up against another guy and you're like this guy can't defend me like those two did. In this Colorado Oregon game the Buffs didn't win 91-87 I'll say it one more time and there was 15 lead changes and seven ties in this game really back and forth basketball to the point where I actually said fourth and back basketball on the broadcast because <laughs> I was so confused. It, it was a really entertaining game I'll say that again too because not only were shots falling for the Buffaloes, they were falling for the Oregon Ducks. Both teams shot 57% from the three-point line, which is just absolutely absurd. Tyler Dorsey, former Colorado recruit, was really solid in this game, and so was uh, Dylan Brooks. And fortunately for the Buffaloes, they got Dylan Brooks and Chris Boucher, two really key pieces to their team. Uh, Brooks, a really good scorer who got hot in this game, was 9 of 13, and Boucher, their key interior defender, both were in major foul trouble early, and both ended up fouling out before the game was finished. Yeah, and, and that's, I don't know, it's, it's tough. That's tough for the Ducks to kind of lose a game that way and lose a tight game when, when you have a couple of your best players get in that foul trouble. I always joke about how they're always going to even up the foul count. You saw it happen again last night. Um, so you, you kind of fall victim to that. If right, George got in foul trouble at the end because of that. Exactly. So, but... I mean, that's such a big key in basketball. If you can get a couple fouls on a guy early, it changes the game. Um, and last night was one of those cases. You know, they got Boucher out of there. He's a, a good player who absolutely basically had no impact on last night. Um, I know he hit a corner three at one point, but the Buffs were able to kind of neutralize a couple of their players pretty early. And the Buffs were able to take major advantage of that foul trouble, not only forcing them to foul out, but they shot 78% from the line. But Oregon really took advantage of the three-point line in this game. Not only was it Dorsey, but it was Benjamin. He hit three key threes down the stretch. But I really want to come back to Tyler Dorsey because, you know, he puts on a show at the Coors Event Center, and I know you're rolling your eyes. Uh, it's got to hurt for Colorado fans that this guy's not a, a Buffalo because, man, he, he looks like a real good ball player. Yeah, I've said it since the, since the first time I saw him in an AAU game. I mean, he's the absolute real deal. He can score in every, every uh, way you want him, but... I mean, Colorado fans can't feel too bitter about it. They won the game with the guys they do have out there. Um, and the guy that they ended up taking 
because they didn't get Tyler Dorsey is Thomas Akizili. And he's working out quite all right for them. And I have a feeling that uh, Thomas Akizili is going to be in Boulder for a, a bit longer than to, uh, Tyler Dorsey is, uh, is up in uh, Eugene. One more thing before we head to the break. Josh Scott, Pac-12 Player of the Week. He had 11-17 and 17 in that game against UO. Ho-hum, as Tad Boyle said. Right, and he had 25-12 and uh, 12 against Oregon State. I don't even know what to say to you. That's just unreal. The guy is... A monster. He's the dream big man uh, in college basketball. He gets up and down the floor like no, none other. I mean, you watch him running... They made him run uh, 33s today in practice, which is you got to get up up and down the court three times in 33 seconds, uh, and he he does it with ease. You know he's in great shape. He's an absolute rock down there, and he can he's just so efficient. I mean, Tad Boyle is another. You know Josh Scott's another player that Tad Boyle is absolutely in love with, and you can't blame him. I mean he's great in the media. Uh, he's great leader. He's great in practice. He does everything right. And not to mention, he's an unbelievable player on the court. He rises to the occasion. He's one of the best rim protectors in the conference. I, what, I, I can't really say much more about him than he's on an All-American pace. We've watched him for four years. You can try and nitpick his game. And the only nitpick we could have made the last year or so was his leadership. And he's taken that over this year without even a question. There's no doubt Josh Scott is the leader of this team. You watch him in practice. His athleticism is so unspoken. He is more athletic than people give him credit for. His post moves are absolutely refined. His footwork is phenomenal. He is so underrated. Even as the Pac-12 Player of the Week, it is just I, I, I just was so upset to find out that he was left off of that, uh, that list, the uh, Wooden Award, Wooden Award mid-season list. I asked Trayshawn Fletcher about it this week, and he actually cussed. He was like, oh, crap, you know, there's no way that's true, was basically what Trayshawn Fletcher told me. Uh, I had to edit that out of my interview. But, you know, it doesn't make any sense that he was left off of that award list, so it's, it's good to see him getting some credit and recognition with his Pac-12 Player of the Year. And the thing with Josh is he doesn't care. Right. I mean, he's going to go out there. He's going to get his. He's going to end up being first team all Pac-12 this year. He might be an All-American. He's on the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar list. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm never going to be worried about Josh Scott caring about personal accolades. Uh, all he cares about is playing basketball and kind of having fun with his teammates. That's going to wrap up this first segment of the BSM Buffs podcast live from the Blake Street Tavern. We're going to take this quick time out because of we love our listeners, we love our readers, and uh, in order to keep our content free. And not have any of those stupid ads pop that up pop ads. up and say, fill, finish, fill out this survey to read the rest of this article. That makes me more mad than anything. Yeah, in order to keep that away, we got to take this quick uh, couple-minute time out, and uh, we'll see you back on the other side with uh, Tyler Ziskin from Lake Street Tavern, who's going to give us his on-the-bubble segment uh, talk about where Colorado ranks. Are they still even on the bubble at this point after their big weekend? We'll find out from five. Hi, this is Justin Gold from Justin's. If you've had my nut butter or my peanut butter cups, then you know that I take my products and my customers very seriously. So when I needed my roof replaced, I wanted somebody who feels the same way about their customers and their products that I do. Luckily for me, I found exactly that when I went to Chip Bezo from Chip's Roofing, and he provided me with a service that I'll never forget. Not only did they build me a beautiful high-wind roof with the best products available, but the quality, price, and service was exceptional. I was in contact with Chip the entire time, and him and his crew couldn't have been more professional. Chip's Roofing has my business for life. 
Chips Roofing, Colorado's high wind roofing experts for 30 years. You can find us online at chipsroofingllc.com. That's chipsroofingllc.com. Or call us now at 720-938-ROOF. That's 720-938-ROOF. Once again, 720-938-ROOF. Hi, I'm Erica Chenard, and I've been helping Colorado homeowners buy and sell for 14 years. From the biggest names in Colorado to first-time buyers, I treat each and every one like an MVP. I've sold over 170 homes in the last 12 months, and I can help you sell your current one or buy your next one. Call me, Erica Chenard, at 720-663-1003 or online at denvercohomes.com. Of course you want to be in better shape, and of course you want to change the way you eat, but it's easier said than done. Hi, I'm Adam Kinney, and like you, I've tried a million different things to accomplish this before I found the solution. Now, I go to Ironclad Fitness off of Evans. The days of long, boring cardio sessions are over. My kettlebell training at Ironclad is fast, innovative, and it really works. At this rate, I'll never step on a treadmill again. Let Ironclad Fitness change your life like they're changing mine. Ironclad Fitness. Hey, Josh, what happened to Colorado Keg House? I was just there yesterday, Adam. It's the same great place with 72 Colorado craft beers on tap. Really? I heard they had up to 60 breweries in there. I figured they must have moved into a huge building or something. That means they have up to 60 different breweries on tap, dude. Do you think they actually crammed 60 breweries in there? Oh, so they still have 27 TVs? Yeah. And NFL Sunday ticket? Yep. Cool. Still awesome. Colorado Keg House, Colorado's home for craft beer by the First Bank Center in Broomfield. We're back here on the BSN Buffs podcast from the Blake Street Tavern. Uh, and this week on at the Blake Street Tavern, we've got two big watch parties for the Buffs games. Uh, and you've got the Wednesday game against Washington and Saturday's game against Washington State. Both games going to be pretty fired up here down at the Blake Street Tavern. They'll have the sound on as they normally do for you. And 24-ounce cores for $6, cores or cores light, and 24-ounce blue moon for $8. Uh, a couple of those will get you in the right place to watch these road games. Um, you always want to make sure you got a little safety blanket on before you go into watching a Buffs road game. So uh, get down to the Blake Street Tavern this week. I think we will be down here hoping to maybe do a little post-game podcast wrap-up after the game. Um, so come hang out, come drink some Coors Lights, and come watch the Buffs this week at the Blake Street Tavern. And speaking of drinks at the Blake Street Tavern, the best drink pourer in the house Tyler Ziskin is joining us now to talk about the bubble. Uh, on the bubble with Tyler Ziskin here at the Blake Street Tavern. Tyler, how are you doing? Hey, what's going on? Drink pour. That's a new one. Uh, it is really is true here, though. It's kind of a beer factory, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, you're, the, you're the number one pourer on the force. Yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> so let's get right to it, Tyler. How are the buffs looking after two huge wins? Uh, a lot better. It's kind of the same theme that we've gone in every single week. Each week is going to have a whole new story, you know. Um, and especially the, this year's bubble, all the teams are so tightly packed because they're, you know, there's just not that many elite teams out there. So for us, I mean, every win is huge. Every loss is huge at this point. I mean, we were talking a little bit earlier today. There's a guy that I follow a lot for a lot of this stuff, Bracket Guy Dave on Twitter, Bracket Bill. He's he puts together a whole bunch of really awesome stuff that I tend to watch. And he was commenting earlier today about how uh, it would be easy for a team on the 
nine or ten seed to lose a home game and fall completely off the bubble right now. <laughs> That's how closely contested a lot of these teams are. So two big wins. Uh, the Buffs get themselves into third place effectively in the conference. A chance to really improve that this weekend. How are they stacking up against the other Pac-12 teams in terms of the bubble? I know you talked today about how the second worst team in the Pac-12 in terms of RPI is ranked 58th right now. Yeah, which is absolutely insane. It is. We keep talking about how like someone's going to have to keep losing, but at this point, you know, the, the numbers are so good for everybody that I think anything outside of a prolonged losing streak for one of these teams is really going to keep them well into the top 100. It's almost kind of gotten to the point like the SEC in football a little bit where all the teams are ranked in the division and they just beat each other up and all of them stay ranked rather than fall because they're beating or losing to teams who are ranked every single week. So I think everybody's kind of in a pretty good position right now. Washington has certainly worked their way into consideration despite having a pretty terrible out-of-conference schedule and results as well for them. Uh, being at the top of the conference right now at 4-1, and one, that Arizona State road win for them this week was huge. Um, that kind of gives them a little bit of uh, separation on the rest of the league outside of USC. So, I mean, you have to start looking at them now as well. Um, they're going to be a team that I add on to the next, lo to the next grouping um, on the bubble math for me because they deserve to now be talked about in there for sure. Um, the rest, the two that are kind of falling back a little bit right now are Oregon State and Arizona State. Um, Arizona State obviously at one and four in league play. Um, that's not what you want, uh, especially, <laughs> yeah, yeah. especially in Pac-12 play where you're, they're, they're falling back in a hurry. I mean, you have a lot of teams to pass now at, your, at one and four in the league. Um, and Oregon State, too, just because they're, their overall package, they don't have as many impressive wins. Um, now with Jarmel Reed out for four games. I mean, he's not a huge guy for them, but everything matters, you know. And uh, just watching them play, I think they're a little behind the eight ball on a lot of the other teams in the league anyway. So that hurts them for me, too. So you got to kind of feel confident about passing up on those two teams. Um, UCLA, too, is probably well behind us now. They have too many losses that you don't want to see on your on your record at this point. So to me, they've got to rack up some wins. Um, they're actually – so we talked about the 11 teams being in the top 38 – or 58. They're, the, they're 58. So they're the 11th ranked team in the RPI right now, which is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, they're not the 11th best team in the league, but – at some point, you do have to pass these other guys up and put together some quality wins. So I think they're kind of on a little bit of notice right now, too. they got to make some things happen in the next couple of weeks. If you're ranking the teams that get into the Pac into the tournament from the Pac-12 right now, um, tell me how many and then rank them down. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I've set five the press two segments, and that's uh, probably low now. I mean, I think at this point where everybody is sitting, um, I know that um, I've seen it seen, – uh, one analyst had them with nine wins or nine nine bids in the tournament, which I don't think will end up that high. But I will say, I mean, it's hard to leave teams out when you have the entire conference in the top 60. That's just insane. So, um, I mean, I think pushing on six and maybe even up to seven is pretty reasonable right now um, just because <laughs> we talked about this last week a little bit too. Washington State is the only bad loss in the conference. So there aren't a lot of opportunities for the Pac-12 teams to hurt their resume right now you know losing home games is always big but I mean it, even even when you lose at home to a Sox, uh, top 60 team it's not nearly as bad as you know some of the bottom half teams in the other conferences that if you slip you know it's going to be rough for you so it, yeah I mean is USC the second best team in the conference right I really now? do think they are yeah uh, we talked about it a lot before the season I didn't have 
the gumption, shall we say, to um, have them finish in the league higher. But I think they have all the pieces. They have a lot of great shooters. I really love their point guard. Jordan McLaughlin is an absolute stud. Mm -hmm. um, he can control the game, not only getting people open, but also attacking for himself as well. I really like his game, and I really like their big men too. Uh, they have a lot of pieces. I mean, Chemezi Medu is one of the best shot blockers in the country as a freshman. He's a beast. Vujovic is, you know, a scorer inside. I really think they have guys at every level that are, I mean, they're definitely a tournament team to me. I don't, I don't really see them sliding that far back in the standings. So uh, we talked about this a little bit before we went on air here, but the, the Buffs have a chance this week to possibly get the vaunted, the rare, the coveted was the word I was looking for, <laughs> the coveted road sweep. Yeah. I think it's a very decent possibility for them to go up to the Northwest and get two wins this weekend. Um, and that'd be great, but it's the – the fact that they might need to or not need to, they they have a chance to kind of get Pac-12 road wins here, and there might not be too many of those left on the schedule. Yeah, I think that's what the most important factor is. It's the easiest of the remaining sweeps um, possible. Obviously, Washington has been super impressive, so I, I wouldn't say that it's mandatory or that it would ha that it's likely to happen. But I do think it's the best opportunity for them to do so. Just getting a split like any other road trip is a win for the bus. If they do that. They're, even if they went 0 for 2, their RPI would not be destroyed right. this week. I mean, because they're road games, and they really – I mean, you, you could lose both, and it's worth less than losing at home to Utah two weeks ago. Right. So that's the, kind of the importance for that. I mean, obviously Washington State would be a bad loss in you know quotations um, because they're the worst team in the league. But they're gonna, there are a lot of teams out there who are going to lose a road game to somebody of Washington State's caliber this year. So it's kind of almost you're playing with house money to me on this road trip because if you do get a road win at worst you're going to stay even par on the rpi um you have two road wins in the conference already the ones upcoming are the, are difficult though when you have oregon oregon state um we have utah and we have usc ucla those are the remaining home games after this slight this slate and all those teams are pretty good um oregon state being probably the least of so but they're really tough at home so to me it's almost mandatory to get one of the games simply for the fact that um, we don't have that many winnable road games left and they're important for your overall resume. I think I think you just want, you need to see the buffs go out there and come out with like a, a different type of aggression in this first game. The, the opportunity right there uh, this week is so huge not only from an RPI standpoint but from a Pac-12 standpoint. I mean you go out there and you get this, just obviously one game at a time, you get this Washington win um, and all of a sudden you're looking at a chance to sweep a road trip, uh, take control of first place in the Pac-12, and kind of almost lock yourself, like put yourself way off the bubble. I mean, people will be talking about you as a, as a, as a mid-single-digit mid, uh, seat. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they win both games, they'll be comfortably off the bubble. I mean, they would, that would be, they'd be five and one on the road. There aren't many bubble teams that have that kind of, um, those type of wins on the road, especially that would be three top 100 road wins as well with Washington staying in there as well. So I mean, those are those are quality wins that a lot of teams don't have on their resume. So that would definitely be huge for us. I mean, we've seen a little bit of single digit seeds coming out already for CU. Um, so it would be a huge, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think it's, it'll be interesting to see what we do with Andrew Andrews. Obviously he's, he's a stud. And we don't really have the perimeter guys there, I think, really lock him down. So it'll be interesting to see what we do there. But 
they better be feeding the ball to Josh left and right. They start four freshmen. I've never seen anybody do that before. I'd be curious to know how many times that's happened. And he should just absolutely be beasting them inside. So that's what they got to do, I think, this week and give themselves the best shot to win. Not only do they get those wins, they get the boost and everything, but I think they'd kind of start to feel an identity as a team as road warriors. All of a sudden, you're 5-1. and one. They're talking about that on the broadcast. They're putting it up. Uh, the media is asking you questions. Are you guys, you know, you have a different – and all of a sudden, it gets into their heads, and they start getting a ton of confidence on the road. Tyler, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on here? Yeah, I mean, I was just going to kind of go through the order of where teams stand in the Pac-12 for me right now. Um, just kind of looking at the overall basis of their resumes. Interestingly, I mean, Oregon's is the best. So it's, that fits with what we saw on the court, I think, this weekend. Mm -hmm. that, that team is super talented. I felt like we played pretty close to perfect in a lot of areas, and they still were right with us in the game. Every time it seemed like we might make a run, they hit some huge shots. So to me, I wasn't all that surprised to see their resume kind of stand out. Um, shockingly, though, the second-best resume right now is Utah, which – kind of in the opposite light watching them play they have not been super impressive to me but they've got the most top 25 rpi wins um the second best record against the top 50 and the most top 100 wins overall of any team in the pac-12 right now so that's um kind of an interesting thing that we've seen from them because they seem to be struggled a little bit and honestly right now i would have colorado third um usc they're hot there's no doubt about that but they haven't their profile against the top 100 right now is not the best they're below below 500 against the top 50 and the top 100 they're only four and six against the top 100 so they still have some things to prove as far as beating elite teams um i think they're obviously comfortably in the field their rpi metrics are super high and they're really talented so they don't have anything to worry about for me but right now i would actually have colorado ahead of them and then you're looking at cal arizona state oregon state ucla kind of fighting out for those however many spots there will be left behind and then I would assume Washington, when they come in, will be in that crowd as well. Cool. Well, that's going to wrap it up here for On the Bubble with Tyler Ziskin. Tyler, as always, thank you for joining us. Yes, sir. We'll do it again soon. We're going to hop out to a quick break real quick so we can keep all of our content free here on bsndenver.com. Uh, thanks for listening. Why go to the Clock Tower Grill? Because of the burgers? Sure. How about the 15 big screen TVs and the 100-inch projection screen? Okay. How about the fact that it's conveniently located at the Lincoln Light Rail Station? Yep. We could do this all day. The bottom line is that the Clock Tower Grill has unique food and drink specials every single day and offers something for everyone all the time. Head down to the Lincoln Light Rail Station and let's have some fun at the Clock Tower Grill. <laughs> Rain, sleet, or snow, 24 hours a day, residential or commercial, you name it, A-Team does it. A-Team Garage Doors will meet or beat any estimate and offer same-day repairs. A-Team Garage Doors has a five-star rating and is a home advisor elite service provider. Call A-Team Garage Doors at 720-556-8016. That's A-Team Garage Doors, 720-556-8016. Call 8016 for the A-Team. When is the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? With 69-cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends, the Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E-470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. 
$3 beer specials, $4 shot specials, $5 appetizer specials, and two-for-one 10-inch pizzas. All of that happens every Sunday at Ernie's Bar and Pizza. Not only does Ernie's have the best deals, but they were just voted number one New York-style pizza in Denver by the Westward. Why go anywhere else? Make Ernie's Bar and Pizza your home for football on Sundays. Ernie's Bar and Pizza, 44th and Federal in Old North Denver, where the Pisons live. If you're tired of the same old sports bar experience, it's time to check out the Sunset Grill. They have the NFL Sunday ticket, NHL Center Ice, NBA TV, and yes, even the Pac-12 Network. But they also have a gorgeous view from their spacious deck. They have dry ribs, wings, and mussels to go with their ice-cold beer. They have $4 Bud and Bud Light pitchers on Sundays, and their happy hour is from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. So next time you're looking for a place to watch the game, do it a little different and go to the Sunset Grill off Holly and County Line in Centennial. Sunset Grill. We're back on the BSN Buffs podcast live from the Blake Street Tavern. I am Jake Shapiro once again back on the podcast with Ryan Coningsburg. My brother's on the phone, so I'm going to take this. What's up? Oh, you went to you went to the slopes this weekend? You went you went skiing this weekend, yeah? Well, y- your boots hurt you, Joey? Your boots? Why do your boots hurt you? Oh, they don't fit right. They don't fit right on your feet. Well, I got the perfect thing for you. It's Boot Mechanics in Golden. Professional skier Jeremy Johnson can custom fit your ski boots to give you a more comfortable ride and increase your performance, Joey. I'm telling you, this is what you need. As my brother, I recommend this to you. It is like unbelievable. What they do is they will take a mold of your foot and use that cast to produce a footbed. This is a mirror image of your foot, so no longer will your feet hurt you anymore when you ski. Like you did this weekend, you're going up next weekend, I know. I mean, we're brothers, we we tell each other everything. Uh, they can even sell new boots, and uh, if, if you need their number, their phone number is 303-916-3498. Once again, 303-916-3498, or you can visit them at bootmechanics.com. Wow. Wow. That was really bad, wasn't it? <laughs> no, it was great because um, I'm going to go to Boot Mechanics as soon as we finish this to get my feet right. I actually, my feet are real messed up, and I need to do that. Uh, one of our friends has had a boot on his foot for a long time, uh, and it wasn't a boot mechanic's boot. Uh, he he got hurt. Yes. Yes. Uh, so we miss him. R.I.P. R- his foot, and R.I.P. him on this podcast. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's start talking about the uh, the upcoming schedule for the Buffs. They face the Washington Huskies on Wednesday night, and then I believe on Saturday they have the Washington State Huskies. Cougars, 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 right. We could do the Cougar draft. We've done it. Too played out. Too played out. The Cougar draft is played out. It's played out. You're right. At this point, it would just be clickbait. Yeah. Yeah. Successful. Very successful successful clickbait clickbait. for us, too. But uh, the Buffaloes face Washington and Washington State. A pretty big weekend for them. And as Zisk talked about, this could be a weekend they potentially sweep. Yeah, and that's kind of my feeling here is it's set up very well for them to really focus in hard on this Washington game. I mean, bring it like you have not brought it all season when you go into this game. Come out there with an edge. Let that Thomas Akizili grit 
uh, infect the whole team as you go out there and just kind of go out there angry for no other reason than just you should. Uh, and you have a chance to go out there, and, and, and then you get that win, and you have plenty of time to prepare uh, for a struggling Washington State team. Um, and, and all of a sudden, you, you put yourself in a great, great position in this conference after starting out in such a disappointing way, uh, and, and you can really, uh, really position yourself for the postseason this weekend. Washington, I still believe, uh, leads the Pac-12 right now. Uh, I'm checking on their record right now. They're 12 Washington and, five and USC are, are tied at 4-1. Right, and they're twelve and five on the year. I knew they were four and one, but twelve and five. I meant their overall record. But uh, their premier player, one of my favorite players to watch in the entire country, Andrew Andrews. Yeah, you just can never trust anyone who has the same name twice. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> with that being said, he is a, he's fun to watch. He can do it from outside. He can. Uh, get wherever he wants. As Tad Boyle said today, he gets to the free throw line a lot, which is the mark of any great scorer. Um, he had more free throws for through the first three Pac-12 <laughs> games than the Buffs did. <laughs> Tad Boyle just absolutely <laughs> loved that stat. Um, <laughs> he's one of those guys who can take over a game, um, and it's one of those, he's one of those players that we've kind of talked about as the Buffs not being able to stop this season with their lack of a, of a stopper, but it hasn't necessarily come back to bite them in many of these games um and that's kind of the impressive thing and as tyler pointed out on twitter last week i mean all that says in, in when you talk about some of the buffs defensive ratings and how high they are all it talks about is how great josh scott and wesley gordon and are at protect protecting the rim so those two are going to be huge in this game um west practice today he seemed to be a, he seemed to be fine uh tad Boyle said as much afterwards but they're going to need josh and West to not let Andrew Andrews or anyone get anything easy at the rim. Washington uh, has been a surprise team in the Pac-12 thus far, and Andrew Andrews is really their only real go-to guy. He's the guy that makes the whole thing go for them. And I kind of question to myself whether or not Aki Zili would be able to guard Andrew Andrews just because Andrew Andrews is a little bit bigger than Aki Zili. And, uh, you know, I thought back to the Oregon State game. Gary Payton may be a lot around the same size as uh, Thomas Aki Zili, if not a little He's bit bigger. bigger. He's bigger. But Gary Payton pays a, plays a very physical game and one that play, dictates on the inside of the bass or the inside of the three-point arc where he gets a lot of rebounds and stuff. And Aki Zili did a really good uh, job uh, of that the last four minutes. So I wonder how he will look against a player that's bigger than him uh, for a longer stretch than four minutes. I think this will be a real good test for Thomas Aki Zili. Well, first we got to see if he even gets the call out there. True. Um, I asked him about that today, if that's kind of something he's he wants. And he, he of course said he would rise to that challenge and he'd love to see it. Um, but he, yeah, I mean, he didn't necessarily allude to Tad, you know, kind of giving him the challenge. Um, Tad told the players today, you know, someone's going to have to step up and take that challenge. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of guys are going to get their chance on him. I think Tad Boyle is still begging George King to step up defensively one of these games and kind of shut one of these guys down. So I think he'll get a chance. Josh Fortune will get a chance because he's as laterally quick as anyone on the team. Uh, so I think it's going to be a group effort. But if Thomas can go out there and have another, you know, big game on one of these guys, then all of a sudden you're talking about um, Tad really trusting him in that role. Then they face Washington State, the Cougars, who are 9-8, and eight, and uh, they're 11th in the Pac-12 right now. Uh, this, they buffs need to win this game. This would be, uh, well, I wouldn't want to say a bad loss because the only bad loss would be if they lost to Washington State at home. It's still uh, Washington State's a team that they need to beat. Well, t uh, t Tyler talks about it as much in the last segment. It'd be a bad loss because there's 
that's the last very winnable road game on the schedule. Um, so that's why it's, it would be a bad loss. Uh, they they need that moment. They need this momentum. Uh, you can you know they feel really good about themselves right now. To go zero and two would basically be knocking them back to to going to from scratch. So I think it's really important for them to definitely get a split on this weekend to make sure that they still continue to feel good about themselves. I think it's important that Wes Gordon is healthy for that Washington State game just because you don't want to waste Josh Scott's uh, efforts on the defensive end with them having uh, junior forward Josh Hawkson, uh, who, who's one of the I, – I, I, he's one of the top – big men in the conference. He's pretty solid, uh, averaging 16 points and 11 rebounds. Not that Josh or Torrey Miller couldn't handle him, but I think Wes Gordon basically neutralizes anyone that he guards when he's on his game. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, Josh Hawkins is probably going to get a little bit of his, but you want him out there, and, and he's fine. Uh, Wesley's going to be fine. You know, they'll wrap his hand up a little bit, and um, he'll, he'll be probably a little, a little less aggressive on the offensive end, but he's going to be fine. Well, that's going to wrap up the men's portion. Uh, we, we got some fun coming, but we also want to talk about the women's team. And uh, we normally don't talk about the women's team on this podcast, but we want to talk about it right now because the women's team is 0-6 in Pac-12 play. They've been very, I, I don't know if they've been disappointing, but they've just not been good. And uh, they lost Jamie Swan, one of their best players, for a little bit in the Pac-12 season. We actually saw that injury happen. It was really rough to see. Uh, Lauren Huggins, uh, junior forward, is uh, not shooting as well as uh, she probably can. And uh, it, it's not only her fault, but they're, they're having a lot of trouble, and there's a lot of freshmen on that team. I think fifth or sixth-year coach, sixth coach Linda Lappy. Uh, the team has probably declined in every single year she's coached. And there have been questions uh, not only over Buff's Twitter, but when I go out and see people about this women's team. People are legitimately wondering what is going on with this women's team, whether Lappy's job is safe, uh, if she's going to get fired, when she's going to get fired. I've even got that question. Uh, so this has become such a big question that I think we should talk about it on this podcast right now. Right, and basically what it comes down to is Colorado women's basketball is a proud program um, with a lot of tradition, a lot of winning and so when people look up and they see their 0-6 in conference, they're really struggling on the season. Um, you know, all of a sudden people start to care a little more. And, you know, it's unfortunate that it has to be that way, that, you know, when they're kind of making tournament runs and doing well a couple years back, um, people weren't as interested as they are now when they see these kind of gaudy numbers uh, in the wrong side. But the thing with, that's interesting about this team to me is they have pieces. Um, Jamie Swan is a great scorer. Lauren Huggins is a great shooter. They have these two freshman guards in Kennedy Leonard and Alexis Robinson who can play a little bit. And so as we kind of we watched uh, one game a couple weeks back, and I, I, was, I started to be fascinated with the storylines of this team, so we've continued to watch them. And when a team kind of has those pieces and it's not all coming together and they're having a lot of defensive lapses, that's when it starts to come back on the coach. And I think that's why a lot of people are looking at Linda Lappy and unfortunate as it might be, because I, I know we talked after media day, after listening to her talk, she's a very intelligent coach. Um, I think she is, has potential to be a good coach, but it looks like the clock has kind of struck midnight for Coach Lappy here in Boulder. Jamie Swan, a senior, someone she's really relied upon this year, and she's always had a really good player to rely upon. 
And I think that's going to be a really good question going to next year is whether Lauren Huggins can be the key player going to next year. They do have two recruits coming in next year, Bree Roberts and Quinessa Carlo Du. I really can't pronounce their name, <laughs> but I did look into this. They're five and twelve on the year. They're both rated as five to four star recruits by ESPN. Whatever you want to take that be, I, I don't really trust those rankings. But either way you put it, if you fire your coach, you're going to lose recruits. Maybe. Maybe. And. A 5-12 and 12 record doesn't look good for recruiting. So as proud as this Colorado Buffalo's basketball, women's basketball tradition is, and I moved here in 2007 to Boulder, I've always known the women's team to be just as good, if not better, than the men's team. Uh, because when I first moved here, that was the case. And, you know, uh, it's changed a little bit over the last few years, but it's really surprising and almost shocking to see them with a 5-12 and 12 record and 0-6 and, and, you know, questions arising about, whether they can even win a Pac-12 game, and if, you know, <laughs> you know, it's crazy to think that Lappy is really coaching for her job at this point, uh, according to a lot of people, and, and, and that's sad because, you know, I, we both agree Lappy's a very smart coach. We think uh, she has an idea of what she's doing, and uh, to see the program take a step back like this is not good for Colorado athletics as a whole. Right, and that's where it comes down to Rick George simply isn't going to stand for it, and I think the coaching for her job thing kind of was at the towards the beginning of Pac-12 play. I think coaching, for, uh, to me, it's it's over. I really think it, uh, unless they somehow, you know, string together something crazy, win the Pac-12 tournament, something crazy like that is the only thing that's going to keep Linda Lappy and Boulder here. As as uh, Rick George has stated many times, you know, he's, he's concerned about the entire program here. He's not just going to settle for mediocrity uh, in in any facet of his athletic program. And you saw that with the volleyball coach being uh, let go after the volleyball season in Liz Krista. Right. And there was outside things there. But, you know, we don't have to harp on this too much. But I think um, it's, it's an interesting storyline to follow. And I, and I said this earlier. I think they are going to upset a team. They're not going up. They're not going to go uh, winless in conference for the same reasons I said. They have pieces. They have good players. Right. We both really like Alexis Robinson and Kennedy Leonard. We right. think that's a legit backcourt. Like, Huggy's going to get hot one game and, and knock down four, five or six threes, and they're going to win a game. So that's not necessarily the, the storyline, but I do think uh, Coach Lappy's time is up. Now that we uh, went to the dark side, let's bring it back for some fun before we end the podcast. Ryan wants to play a game called Overrated, Underrated, or Just Right. And uh, we're going to rate things. We're going to throw some topics back and forth at each other. Uh, and we're just going to say whether it's overrated or underrated or rated just right. So, Ryan, why don't you start? All right. We stole this from uh, Rosillo and Canel, or going all the way back to SVP and Rosillo, just to put that out there. We steal everything. We just do it differently. Um, <laughs> My first one for you, Shap, is girls at CU. Overrated, underrated, properly rated. Underrated. Underrated, huh? Okay. Yeah. They're, every day I walk on campus and I'm blessed to be on <laughs> campus. I truly think that. I walk around and I go, huh, it's got some good talent around these parts. All right, fair enough. Josh Fortune's cornrows. Oh, um... Properly rated. Uh, I think everyone dislikes them for good reason. Uh, there's not enough of them, I think. I think there needs to be more cornrows. Um, and he has, I don't know if he's ever had a good game in the cornrows. So I think the gripes with Josh Fortune's cornrows are um, fair. Even though it, he really does end up looking like Allen Iverson. Alright, I, I need an honest an answer here. BSN Denver. Ooh. <laughs> 
I mean, some of our, our buff stuff is underrated, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know about all the other stuff. Oh, wow. Um, taking a shot at that Broncos page. Oh, okay. Um, but, no, it. we got some underrated talent as a whole. I wanted to put this down uh, for my question. I considered it as well, but I thought it would be a little bit biased if I asked you. Um, but i got, I got to say underrated. Our coverage of stuff is just great. We do it differently. Uh, you know, there's a reason we cover every team, every sport, every day. You know, it's that's our motto. We do it, and uh, hopefully our, our listeners and readers like it. Uh, uh, but in my opinion, it's underrated. We got some great stuff, and people don't give it enough attention. I absolutely agree in the underrated uh, category there. I think the CSU page is a little bit overrated uh, just because Rich, <laughs> Rich is pretty good, but, you know, the Rammies. Eh, eh. I don't think anything, any CSU thing ever has been overrated. <laughs> Um, second one for me, Colorado State flag, overrated, underrated, what you got? Oh, it's so close to being played out. Like, it's, it's really teetering towards being played out. Every, like, everyone has it tatted on them now. We're watching um, it on the abs game. They have it on the They've got it on the shoulder now. now. Um, everyone has a t-shirt with it. Like, I have a t-shirt with it. It's really close to being played out, but it's a really dope flag, and I like it a lot. So... I guess I'm going to say properly rated. I think it deserves the praise it gets. But, man, it's like like some lame, like, massage parlor using it as their logo away from being played out. The Rockies have talked about getting an alternate jersey and using some sort of that logo for their alternate jersey. And it would just end up looking like, in my opinion, what the Avs have on their shoulder or a Cubs logo. I was going to say, the one that's on your hat right now is basically – a, a Cubs logo with a sun in the middle of it. Right, and it won't look like a sun on a baseball uniform. Yeah. Uh, y- you're up. You got one. Am I? Okay. Yeah, I just did Colorado State flag. Okay, yeah. Uh, Bryce Badwin. Dude, so underrated. <laughs> B-Bad is the man. And most people thought, like, oh, Jake has this vendetta against Bryce because you replaced him with the podcast. <laughs> no. If we had more microphones slash if our suits wanted Bryce Badwin on this podcast, we would have Bryce Badwin every damn day. We love Bryce Badwin. Uh, we, we were hanging out with him uh, this past week, and we were just kicking it. Uh, Bryce wasn't kicking it because he's got a boot on his foot. But he can't we kick were, anything. <laughs> we were kicking it. Uh, so we love Bryce. Uh, I don't even know if he listens to the podcast, but we love him. Vastly underrated. Uh, another one I got, Peyton Manning. Uh, uh. Overrated. Overrated. Um, it just depends on when and where and who's talking at the time, I guess. But uh, in terms of right now, overrated because he was—he hasn't been good all se- like he didn't do anything good yesterday. Uh, and it, and it'll always be Manning, Brady, Manning this, Manning that. So right now, overrated because I'm just—he uh, gets—he gets too much credit and too much blame when things are going wrong. It's just to me, he's—he like he's just a very average quarterback in the NFL right now, all time. We can have a whole, a totally different uh, conversation because Peyton Manning is probably my favorite quarterback of all time to watch when he was in his prime. But right now, he's just a middle of the road quarterback who gets a lot more media attention than he probably should. And he's not even as tall as Brock. Not even close. Yeah, you got one more or no? No, I'm out. I've got, I've got a few more, but I'll just throw this one last one at you. Hockey. <laughs> Underrated. Uh, I love hockey. Like, it's really easy for me to get into the abs when they're going right. Um, I. I simply, like, I don't think there's enough time for me to, like, fo- to follow the Avs no matter what as much as I possibly can, kind of the same way that it ends up happening for the Rockies. But 
I love like playoff hockey is some of the greatest stuff there is on TV. Um, and just right now watching this Avs game uh, here at the Blake Street Tavern, it's fun. Like it, uh, hockey is an all is always going to be entertaining. You don't really ever get a boring hockey game. As Blake Como almost scores for the Avs, uh, it would have been his second goal tonight against his former team, the Winnipeg Jets. But yeah, it's really hard to follow hockey because uh, it's just not that accessible for the average fan with ESPN not giving it uh, that much attention. So I probably spend, uh, you know, even the days my team isn't playing, I probably spend at least an hour just browsing hockey games and reading about hockey. It's hard to, it's hard to follow, I'll admit that. But uh, you know what's not hard to follow? The Colorado Buffaloes because bsnbuffs.com <laughs> is your one-stop shop for everything Colorado Buffaloes. You want articles, we got it. You want columns, we got it. You want videos of Ryan and me screwing around, you got it. You want videos of Tad Boyle and the players, we got it. You want a podcast, well you're listening to it right now. We got pretty much everything you can think of and if you can think of something else, send it our way and we might try it. <laughs> Definitely. Is, is that the end? Uh, I was about, I was, <laughs> I was waiting for you to say like, yeah, we're awesome, but like. Everyone, I mean, we don't gotta tell anyone we're awesome. Yeah. Uh, anyways, you guys know we're awesome. That's, that's the better way of saying that. And uh, he is Ryan Koningsberg, editor, feature beat writer, and uh, the magic man, as uh, we call him behind uh, <laughs> the <laughs> member walls. <laughs> he is Ryan Among other things. <laughs> at Ryan Koningsberg is, Twitter, is his Twitter handle. I am Jake Shapiro at Shapalicious is my Twitter handle. I do a variety of things for the site. I think you guys are well aware of it by now. And you can follow us at bsnbuffs.com. Please follow us on Facebook, too. Yeah, uh, we need more Facebook likes. We're struggling on Facebook. Uh, so send the love over to Facebook as well, too. Stick it. If you follow us on Facebook, you're sticking it to the man by making us not pay Facebook to get us more likes. Also, we run promotions on Facebook, which not many people uh, know about. We've, get, we've done a giveaway over Facebook. Yeah. And uh, no one's on our Facebook page, so like the five people that are on it, one of them won. Yeah, and not only did he get the Bill Walton signed poster, but since it took me so long to give it to him, I felt really bad, so I gave him a free snapback, too. So you heard the man. Uh, he's giving away free items on his Facebook page. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoy the week. We'll be here Wednesday night again, Blake Street Tavern for the Buffaloes matchup against the Washington Huskies. So we'll see you then. Thanks for listening and uh, Bazinga. <laughs> Bazinga. <laughs>